0: It is, once again, a joy uh, to be alive in God's uh, kingdom and to be alive as God's children, to be able to worship Him and to be able to serve Him um, and to be able to worship Him together with you all. Um, If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the Book of Romans. Uh, We've been doing a sort of a big-picture overview of the Book of Romans. If you're using one of the Bibles uh, provided in the back of the pews, I believe it's on page 939. 939. As you turn there, we jump in. Uh, We're continuing uh, sort of a mini-series, three-part series, doing an overview of Romans. Uh, But since we need the Spirit's help in everything, let's uh, begin with a word of prayer. God, we need you. God, we recognize that our hearts are often so prone to wander. Our hearts are so prone to turn to other things, other idols, instead of you and we know that we need your spirit to, to be changing our lives, to be changing our lives from our hearts. And so God, help us. Help us understand your word. Help us to not just understand it, but to know how to apply it uh, specifically in our lives. And pray for this church that they would know how to apply your word corporately. And that you would be using uh, this church powerfully in this city and then from this city to the nations. And we uh, pray um, that you will be glorified through this time. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So once again, we're doing a sort of a big-picture overview of one of the most well-known, deeply theological, doctrinal books in the Bible, right? The Book of Romans, that's sort of what it's known for. And what we looked at sort of last week is that the main point, we sort of looked at context, and why the context, the main point of this book is that true, sound doctrine fuels missions to the unreached. That's what sound doctrine is designed to do. It's not meant to just stay in our heads. It's to feel and give us a passion for missions to the unreached. And we sort of looked at it beginning with Romans 1, 1 through 13. With a, we saw the rich, doctrinally rich explanation of the gospel and how Paul says, hey, I've owned this gospel by faith. But then he gets to Romans 1:14, and we saw sort of this odd phrasing. And he says, I am under obligation in verse 14. So I'm indebted. I have this obligation to do what? And it's to both to the Greeks, to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. And so he's eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And so he has this obligation to preach the gospel to all peoples, which includes those in Rome. And essentially, because Paul's telling us that because he owns the gospel, he now owes the gospel to all people. He's saying, hey, for those that truly believe in sound doctrine, that we must have a passion for people who have never heard, who have never heard the gospel. And it's not an option, right? He's talking about an obligation here. He's, he says, I am under obligation. He's not saying, hey, this is an option in case you want to be a better Christian or to be, to be a more radical Christian. No, he says, because I've owned this gospel, now it is an obligation upon me to owe this gospel to all people. But then a question might come up: Well, how is this compatible with, I mean, free grace? I mean, isn't now Christianity just like all the other world religion that's based on works? It's based on this obligation to do something. I mean, isn't salvation by faith alone as a free gift? Well, to answer that, we we sort of saw last week in Romans one five. There's this odd phrasing, and he repeats it in one five and sixteen twenty seven. He's talking about. The obedience of faith for the sake of the nations, for the sake of his name among the nations, and same thing with in chapter sixteen verse twenty seven that, that this gospel is designed to bring about in twenty six the obedience of faith right that, that, that phrasing is key obedience of faith right it 's not obedience that leads to faith, and so this is how Christianity is distinct from all other world reviews and world religions because it 's not obedience deserving faith right it's not obedience creating or obedience earning faith or earning salvation but it's the obedience of faith which is a free gift so obedience fueled by faith in the free grace of god right? so it's the obedience that true faith alone produces and that's what he's talking about here that because he believes first in christ alone by faith alone There's this obedience that comes from that. And so once again, as I've been praying for you guys this week and last week, I've been praying that all of us would just feel in a fresh way that because we, that we own this gospel. And once again, it's not because of anything in us, right? Because we own this gospel by faith alone, that we would feel in a fresh way a sense of obligation to get the gospel to those who have never heard it. And it's why Paul writes the letter to the Romans in the first place. Once again, we looked at it more in depth last week. In Romans 15, he explicitly tells us in verse 20 that it's his ambition to preach the gospel where Christ has not already been named. And in verse 22 to 24 of chapter 15, he says, hey, the purpose of writing this letter to you Romans is to be, quote, helped on my journey to Spain. And he's trying to get to Spain because they were unreached. They've never heard the gospel And so what we saw is that the book of Romans, right, this rich doctrinal book, was not meant to be a systematic theology book. That's not why Paul wrote this. Paul wrote this essentially to be his mission's support letter, to try to get to unreached peoples. So once again, I'm praying that it would change the way we read, that we teach, that we understand all the theology that we learn in our lives. Because true sound doctrine is designed by God to fuel missions to the unreached. As of now, there's once again 3.11 billion people. That's 42.2% of the world's population, totaling about 6,700 people groups who are right now considered unreached with the gospel. And so the bulk of last week of part one of the series was to answer this question to feel the weight of this reality. What does it mean? What does it mean to be unreached? And the answer Paul gives in Romans is that being unreached means at least four things biblically. So briefly, quick review is one, you have knowledge of God. Romans 1, 19 through 20. He talks about, For what can be known about God is plain to them. Why? Because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So all people in all creation have knowledge of God. Because God has made it plain and evident to them. But then second biblical truth Paul gives is that not only do we have knowledge of God, But you, all of us, have rejected God. That's what he goes on to in verse 21 through 25. Let's just read verse 21 through 23. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And this is the sinful nature of all men, that we have all turned aside from God. And we've all worshipped other things instead of God. And while it looks different in different places, the truth is all the same. All people have rejected God. And as a result, the third biblical truth is this, that you and I and all of humanity, we stand condemned before God. We know God, we reject God, and therefore we stand condemned before God. I and mean, that's the whole argument Paul builds from chapter 1, 18 through three I I'm mean, look at verse 18. We, didn't, we skipped that one because this is sort of, he's building an argument of why the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Right? And then after he says that, he's building his case for why the wrath of God justly is poured out on all of humanity. And all culminates in chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. Where He says, "What then are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, at all, both Jews and Greeks are under sin. As is written, None is righteous; no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good; not even one. So all humanity is indicted. All humanity is guilty." We all are sinners who stand condemned before God deserving of eternal death and suffering in hell. But yet these truths, right, thus far, we recognize that these truths are true not just for unreached peoples, but for all people, including us. So at this point, I want to just say a brief note clarifying last week. I tried to do a little subtle wordplay, but we might have missed it, is that I asked the question, what is the fate of... Of the innocent, unreached people who are around the world who've never heard, I try to throw an in innocent because we know that if you 're innocent, if you are sinless, then you for sure go to heaven. But the problem is unreached peoples like all people are not innocent right there 's no sinless person, and that 's the, the argument Paul's making Paul's clear there are no innocent people there's no sinless people. That's why Romans three twenty three says, all have sinned. That's true for all people. So you have knowledge of God, you've rejected God, and you stand condemned before God. But the huge difference between unreached peoples and all other peoples is this weighty, sobering, fourth biblical truth. And it says, you have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you currently don't even know one Christian who can tell you that gospel. And you most likely don't have a church that you can drive by to go hear the gospel. And most likely, you don't even have the Bible fully translated in your language to read the gospel. And so you've never heard the good news about Jesus Christ. And you currently don't have access to hear it either. And so essentially it means this. If you are unreached, if you are an unreached person, unless something changes by the obedience of faith of God's people, then you would be born and you would live and you would die having never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be unreached. You've never heard the story. It doesn't end with Romans 3.20, with condemnation, with bad news. And in verse 21, it's the two of the sweetest words in the Bible. It's, but now. Right? But now, there's righteousness. This, the righteousness of God, has been manifested apart from the law, apart from works. Verse twenty-two: the righteousness of God through faith. Right, the uniqueness of Christianity is through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone for all who believe. For there's no distinction; for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, declared just, righteous. How? by His grace, as a gift. Not through works, not what you do, but through the redemption as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There's all that we sung about, all that we heard, prayed, and we read the scriptures. It's all by grace alone, in Christ alone, it's through faith alone. And so once again, friend, if you're here and and you are not yet a Christian, I want you to know this is the greatest news in all the world. That you, like all of us, as sinful people, we can be forgiven of our sins. And we can have a relationship with God the Father. But it's not through anything we do. It's all because of what Christ has done for us in living a perfect life. Dying the death we deserve on the cross and then resurrecting from the dead in victory. And he simply calls us to receive that gift by faith. To turn from our sin and to trust in him. So if you're here and you want to do that, please talk to the friend who brought you or talk to Pastor Jeremy or Oscar or anybody else here. I'm sure they'll be happy to share with you more the gospel of Jesus Christ. But beloved Christian brothers and sisters, we must first praise God, right? That by his undeserved grace we are not unreached. We have access. We have heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And so let's, let's pause and just daily praise God for that reality. Let's always be thankful that we have grown up and we've lived in a place where we had access. And we heard and His grace helped us to believe. But then second, let us recognize that we cannot go on with life with business as usual. Let's recognize that God, that everything God has allowed us to learn about the gospel from His Word, all that sound doctrine that is regularly taught in this church is not meant to just fill our heads. Right? No, all the sound doctrine we learned is meant to fuel missions to the unreached. And so the main call, once again, is we must give sacrificial, we must go willingly to bring the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to those who have never heard, to unreached peoples and places. And the rest of the book of Romans, all that rich theology, all the sound doctrine Paul writes, once again, is meant to give us fuel. And he gives us at least four reasons. That's we're heads There, we're going to look at the first three, first three reasons, at least four reasons why. Why must we give sacrificially? Why must we go willingly to the unreached? Reason number one is their plight so it's four p's their plight their problem why must we go because unreached people's knowledge of god is only enough to damn them to hell we saw in Romans, Romans 1 and 2, creation and conscience give people knowledge of God and knowledge of themselves in comparison to the all-powerful, eternal, holy, and righteous God. So creation and conscience give all people knowledge that they are willful and wretched sinners before God. Their knowledge, Romans 1.20 says, they're without excuse. They're without excuse because they know they have sinned against God. But that's it. That's it. That's all that they have knowledge of. So 3.11 billion people who have knowledge of God only sufficient to damn them to hell. Where unless something changes, they will be born, they will live, and they will die having never even heard how they can be saved from hell to go to heaven to be forever with God. Church, what is it going to take? What is it going to take for, for the, the reality, the concept that there are unreached people still out there to be totally intolerable for us as Christians? And we can't turn a deaf ear, we can't turn a blind eye to this reality because unless something changes by the obedience of faith of God's people, there are going to be more and more people who are going to be born and live and die having never heard the gospel, whose knowledge of God is only enough to damn them to eternal hell. So may God just wake us up to this reality and and say with Spurgeon that if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at, less, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let not one go there unwarned and unprayed for. And this is just one reason why we must give sacrificially and go willingly. Second reason. Second reason is the gospel's power. The gospel's power. Because the gospel of God is powerful enough to save them for heaven. In Romans 1, 16-17, feel free to turn there. It's before Paul tells us about the plight of the unreached along with all of humanity. And he gives us Romans 1:16 through 16-17 to give us great hope. Paul said this, "'For I am not ashamed.'" Of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to who? To everyone. Anyone and everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Why? For in it, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. That's great power. That's great hope because the creator who who spoke and all of creation came into the existence is the same all-powerful God who gives his word of the gospel. Where when we share this gospel, it creates new creations in Christ. I'm really reminded of an encounter David Platt tells with a Hindu family in Nepal. Where he walked into a remote village in Nepal and he walked in and he saw a house filled with so many idols representing generation after generation of Hinduism. And he had an opportunity to share with this family that he comes bearing good news that there is actually only one true God. And this one true God has made a way to be known. And to be enjoyed forever. And this God made a way by coming to us, living a perfect life and dying on a cross and resurrecting. And the, the woman said, I believe. I believe in this God and I want to trust in him alone. So in a moment, right, generations of Hinduism was left behind. How? Because of the power of the gospel. In the book, The Gospel for Muslims, uh, the author Thabidi Anyaboule tells the story of a Muslim lady from Iran. He tied a discussion on Islam, and afterwards, he says "As She waited for the crowd to leave, and she shyly and politely thanked me for the talk. Then the look. I've seen the look a number of times before. In an instant, and once forbidden, but now ineffable joy broke across her face. Tears streamed down. but her face beamed brightly, her eyes grew slightly wild with excitement. She told me that her family was from Iran. She now lived and worked in the U.S. with her parents. And as is the custom, she will live under their care in their home until she marries. But she has a secret. In the last two weeks, she has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And she now loves him as her savior. She says, I don't know how to tell my parents or what will happen but have never been happier in my life. I can't explain it. I'm so joyful. More tears, more beaming brightness. He says the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. He then recounts his own conversion from being a zealous Muslim to being a follower of Christ, and it was through the gospel. There's this creative access ministry that I'm signed up for. I get their newsletter ready regularly and they reach unreached peoples. And they said this in their yearly newsletter. He said, we've had the joy this year of seeing a woman in Central Asia who decided to be baptized, even though she knew it would likely mean the loss of her family. We've seen a Palestinian with a challenging family situation who sought to have a new heart and life. We've seen five people in Turkey who came to repent and believe through the witness of a friend. We've seen the, the wife of a new believer in Central Asia who saw the change in his life and decided she also wanted to follow Christ. And it was all of these stories, the story after story, and all because of the power of the gospel of God. Now, beloved, also, if you're here and you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, I mean, don't you remember who you were before you heard the gospel? I mean, if you have any doubt in the power of the gospel, right? Look in the mirror. God saved you, not because of anything you did, but through the gospel. God saved me from being a hate-filled, angry, self-righteous, pleasure-seeking, self-deceived, professing Christian who grew up in the church. And God saved me. You want know, to know how? Through the same all-powerful gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, friends, for many of us, I believe that one of the reasons we may not be sharing the gospel much is because we don't believe its power. We have lost confidence in the power of the gospel where we think we just need to come up with other gimmicks or plans or techniques that this gospel is not powerful enough. Christian, Christian, If you are a believer, you already know the most powerful, life-changing message in all of the world. There is not a single person, there's not a single people group on this planet that is beyond God's power to save. Because when we share this gospel, people will believe and be saved. I mean, how do we know this? Because God has told us the end, right? We have revelation, In Revelation 5, 9, we see this. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you, Jesus, to take the scroll to open its seals. Why? For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. The same blood, the same gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful enough To save all kinds of people, including unreached peoples, from hell for God in heaven. Now friends, if this is true, and it is, right? And if we believe this truth, then we can't just sit back, right? And and hold the power and the treasure of the gospel to ourselves. We must give sacrifice. We must go willingly for the spread of this all-powerful gospel to those who have never heard. But then third, so we have man's plight. Second, the gospel's power. Third reason is God's plan. And God's plan. Why must we go and give? Because the plan of God includes the sacrifices of his people. I'm going to turn a few chapters later to Romans 10. Romans 10, let's look at 11 through 15. Romans 10, 11 through 15. Beginning in verse 11, he says, For the scripture says, Everyone, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on who? All. Right? All, anyone who calls on him, for once again, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then the question comes, verse 14 How? How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And so a question comes right with 3.11 billion people who are unreached. 42.2% of the world's population. I mean, why can't we as God's people just pray? And just pray maybe for God to give visions, God to give dreams. Right? I don't know if you have some friends or there might be some books that are out there that talk about Muslims or Hindus receiving visions and dreams of Jesus. So why can't we just sit back here in a, the comforts of America and just pray for that? Pray for more visions and dreams. I mean, couldn't God make the gospel known in other ways? And while this has occasionally happened, I want to put this before you. If you read through the book of Acts, right, the expansion of the church, you won't see one verse in the book of Acts where the gospel moves forward Without a human instrument. If you read through the book of Acts, you won't see one verse in the book of Acts where the gospel moves forward without a human instrument. So even when you have dreams, even when you have visions like with Cornelius in Acts 10, what does God do? God also gives visions and dreams to Peter, his person, right? his disciple. And God raises up Peter to then take the gospel to Cornelius and the Gentiles. So once again, couldn't God make the gospel known in other ways? I mean, God is God, right? So sure, right? God is God. He could if he wanted to. Right? So God, in his all-powerful nature, he could, and who, the God who brings out the stars, right, who calls each star by name, he could write the Roman road, right, in the stars. Right? He rearranges the letters the stars' location, and, and all around the world, people say, see, you know me, Right? I am the one true God. You have rejected me, and you stand condemned. Come back tomorrow for good news. God could do this if he wanted to because he's God. But why does God not do that? Why does God not normally do that? Because God chose. God reveals it in his word that God has chosen in his sovereign free will to use you. To use me, to use us, to use his church to make this gospel known. This greatest news ever known to others. The church of God, sacrificially giving and joyfully sending those who are willing to go. That's the plan of God. I mean, it is his plan that he has revealed to us in his word And his plan warrants the sacrifices of his people, his church. And Christian brothers and sisters, I believe sacrifice is the right word, especially for us in our culture, because we are the wealthiest people who have walked planet Earth. Now, I understand that sometimes, right, we don't, quote, unquote, feel wealthy. We don't feel wealthy because we turn around and we see other people who are wealthier than us. In our culture, this culture advertisement breeds discontentment, right? This culture advertisement breeds envy, jealousy, this this want for more. Yet 90% of people in world history, when they open up their dictionary to the word wealthy, they see our faces. Because we are the wealthiest people who have walked planet Earth. So the question is why? Why have we been blessed in this way? Friends, this is not to get more stuff. Right? God has blessed us with unprecedented wealth, not so that we would just go out and buy more stuff. No, it's to spread His glory, His gospel throughout the world. It is not to build up more possessions. Right? We, we heard earlier from Oscar, this world is not our home. Right? This world is not our home, so let's stop living as if it were. Let us stop living as if this world is our home. Let us stop storing up treasures that will burn up in the end. Because what matters is the eternal home that we're living for, where we will enter the presence of the King, enjoying Him forever. So couldn't it be that God has given us unprecedented wealth so that we can use it to spread His gospel to the ends of the earth by using the wealth he gives us by giving sacrificially and going willingly. Brothers and sisters, let us offer our lives up to God as I love this illustration, like a blank check where we, we tell God, God, my life is a blank check before you. I will go wherever, I will do whatever, whenever you want. I mean, Romans 12, right, after the rich explanation of the gospel. Right, right when he jumps to more application in Romans 12, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So all of the rich gospel that I just told you, the sound doctrine of the gospel, because of that, therefore, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So Christians, if you want to worship God, not just on Sundays in the singing time, right? If you want to worship God, your spiritual worship is offering yourself as a living sacrifice. I mean, that's a blank check. If your whole life is a living sacrifice, that's a blank check to God where you will go and do whatever and whenever. So will we say that to God? As as we're amazed by the sacrifice of his son for us, will we say, God, my life every single day is a blank check before you. I understand that for many of us, and I understand even for our family, as we think about going overseas, is that even the thought of a blank check sometimes brings fear. Because as humans, we always like to have sort of an exit strategy. Right, a backup plan, right, a safety net. We like to diversify. Right, we, we don't want to put all of our eggs in one basket. Right, because, God, what if, what if I'm called to North Korea? What if I'm called to Somalia? What if I'm called to Syria where ISIS is? And so with that, I just want to say that if I or if my family or if you have any fear in giving a blank check to God, I want to remind you who you're giving a blank check to. Because if you and I, if we can trust God to save us from eternal damnation for eternal joy in His presence, I mean, surely we can trust God to lead us for a few years on this earth. Not just to lead us, but to satisfy us every single step of the way. Now, I also understand that giving God a blank check, right, it often sounds radical, right? There's a book called Radical, like Radical Christianity. It seems like, hey, there might be a new brand of Christians that that are a little more special. But listen, it sounds radical because so much of what passes as Christianity, especially in America, is not. And it confuses us. It deceives us from what true biblical Christianity really is. And so I want to say this clearly. Scripture is clear. A blank check to God by faith alone that is biblical christianity right romans 12:1 doesn't say hey this is an optional worship if you want to right no it's if you've received the gospel this is your spiritual worship right it is taking up your cross to follow jesus right and that's the dividing line between a true disciple and a false one right so it's utter foolishness and it's unbiblical to think that we could put conditions on our relationship with god so giving god a blank check that's what it means to be a christian it's giving our entire life to god and it's in christ all because of grace alone by faith alone now let's think about this i mean what will happen right let's think what will happen when when this kind of understanding when this kind of spirit takes over god's people I mean, what will happen when we recognize and everyone in the church recognizes that everything God has given to us, our money, our possessions, our education, our job, our skills, our talents, our time, our passions, our prayers, everything is not meant to only be for us to enjoy. And what's going to happen when we all recognize that God's grace is meant for us, but it's not, to, it's not meant to end with us. What's going to happen when we recognize that God's grace is meant to fill us up and then overflow from us to the nations? I believe a lot of things will happen, but at least this. We will stop seeing global missions in the church as sort of a small compartmentalized ministry over there. Global missions will no longer be a ministry for a, a few, for the missions team. I mean, that's their passion. It's just something separate for those radical Christians. But no, global missions is going to be a mindset. It's going to be a lifestyle that permeates all of who we are as God's people, where all Christians will just be ordinary Christians doing ordinary things with gospel to the nation's intentionality. Where when you pray, you're going to pray intentionally, not just for your neighbors, but for the nation's and when you disciple and when you read things, you're not just going to think through how it applies to my own life. Or you're going to think through, what does it mean for the nations? What does it mean cross-culturally? Ordinary Christians doing ordinary things with gospel to the nation's intentionality. Listen, global missions is the bread and butter of the church that God has designed. And God does not save anybody to just sideline them. Right? There are no spectators in the greatest mission on the planet. I mean, this is the plan of God. God's saved people, giving sacrificially and going willingly so that the glory of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ would spread to all nations. This is His plan. And this plan of God is why, really, when you read through the Scriptures, there's only two descriptions of the church in the Scriptures. Now, you see the church, and there's two sort of adjectives. There's the church gathered and the church scattered. That's really just what you see. They gather and then they scatter. Right? And the church gathers regularly to be filled with the gospel, overflowing in praise and exaltation of God and to use the gifts to love, to serve, to build up, to equip the body when the church gathers But then after that, the church is sent out. They're they're scattered. The church is sent ones. And they're sent out by God to be living as smaller communities sent on mission to live out the practical implications of the gospel in day to day life, right? To spread the gospel to the nations beginning where you are. Right? The church scattered is where you daily live out God's passion for global missions as a daily mindset, a daily lifestyle. Seeking to be faithful to God's plan for his church. And that's essentially what the church does in God's design. We gather for exalting God, equipping the saints, and we scatter for evangelizing and making disciples among who? All nations. I just wanted to make a brief side note, though, that in God's kindness and in his sovereignty, God has blessed this area, the Los Angeles area, by bringing so many nations here, right? You just look around, you look at your neighborhood, you can look at demographics, and you see that God has brought the nations here as well. just want to encourage you, I want to challenge you, don't waste that opportunity. Don't waste the opportunity that God has brought. Now, As a side note, as I reflect on this, I'm thinking, you know, it might possibly be because of our disobedience, right? because of the disobedience of his people not going as willingly. And I think of Acts chapter 8, where you had all these new believers in Acts 8, they stayed in Jerusalem. Whereas in Acts 1 8, God told them, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, yes, but then to all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so, what does God do? These new believers decided not to do that, they stayed in Jerusalem. So in Acts 8, God used persecution. God used persecution in his church to do what? To scatter his people. And then in Acts 8 verse 4, we see that they scattered to do what? To be his witnesses in all Judea and Samaria, as he told them to do. So God, in his sovereignty, often uses different things so that we would be then faithful to his plan. So I think God, in his kindness, has brought globalization about has brought the nations here so that we would reach them here. But at the same time, while God has brought the nations here, there are still, once again, thousands, thousands of unreached peoples in places still with no access. And listen, God's plan has not changed. So what is all this going to require? Once again, God's church, right? That's us. God's people giving sacrificially. Going willingly and giving sacrificially, it doesn't just include money, though it does include that. I mean, it may include sacrificing a certain career dream. It may include sacrificing a certain house dream, your dream home. Or it may include sacrificing a certain safety and comfort dream to support. Or to participate in global missions. And it most certainly will include sacrificing people. Right? Your friendships. I mean, because those who go, they're sacrificing regular fellowship with the body that is so sweet. And then those who stay and send, hopefully you're sending your very best. Right? You're sending your best to the unreached. And so relationships might be one of the hardest sacrifices. And we saw that even in Romans for Paul, where Paul longed. And he says, I'm longing to see you saints in Rome. And he expressed his love often. But in Romans 15, Paul tells them, the reason, though I love you guys, I want to see you and be with you, the reason I've been hindered so far from coming to visit is because of my gospel field obligation to the unreached. And beloved, we will be with one another for all of eternity. So let us give sacrificially and let us go willingly so unreached peoples may be born and live and die and also be resurrected with us because of the gospel that we brought to them to enjoy and worship God forever. Amidst all the sacrifices, it is going to be 100% worth it. Let's pray. God, we thank you and praise you for the gospel. God, good news to wretched sinners like us Sinners who have knowledge of you, who have rejected you. Sinners who, if life was fair, we would deserve to be condemned to eternal wrath. But you chose to give us grace. You chose to send your son to die on the cross, the death we deserved, and then to resurrect in glorious victory. And you offer Forgiveness and life and redemption and justification all through turning from our sin and turning to you by faith alone. And so, God, we thank you for this gift and we thank you that it is your plan to use us to then share this gift with others. So, God, help us to to have greater faith in the power of the gospel. Help us to have greater compassion to, to the plight of those who are unreached. And God, help us to be faithful and to be willing to sacrifice for your plan so that everyone who calls on your name will be saved. So, God, may you call out more. Will you send more to go preach good news? We pray this for your global glory alone. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.